Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, I've been waiting for this one for months. With us today is Professor Karan Beaton-Wells, a competition law professor from Melbourne University, Melbourne Law School. Karan is all over the ACCC's Digital Platforms Inquiry. Some, she has a great podcast, if you haven't heard it, Competition Law, L-O-R-E. I listen to it all the time and I'm smarter for it, so I suggest you do too. Karan, welcome. We have a lot happening, obviously. There was a lot happening in your world, but let's go to the ACCC Digital Platforms Inquiry and what your key takeouts are. If I give you a setup. Um, one of your learned colleagues, professor or associate professor Mark Ritson from Melbourne Business School, came out in, in, a, in a column in The Australian uh, a couple of weeks back and it was on ABC News uh, a couple of weeks ago saying that the platform's inquiry was noble but futile. Nothing's going to change. The big tech players are too big for the ACCC to, to manage. And I'm wondering whether a competition law professor may have a different view than a marketing professor on this whole thing. Welcome and what are your thoughts? Great. Thanks, Paul. Good to be here with you. So interesting thoughts from Mark. This inquiry, though, is groundbreaking in many ways. It's the first time, not just in Australia, but around the world, that a competition agency has taken a deep dive into digital platforms and done so in a way that joins the dots between competition, consumer protection, privacy and data protection, regulation and public interest. So that's a very long menu, uh, a lot for the ACCC to have bitten off, but it's done a really impressive job. You are across the competition side of things, obviously. What are you seeing both here in terms of the ACCC's impact, the impact it will have, and obviously it's dependent on what the federal government does with the recommendations, but what do you feel is going to happen? Okay, so well, let's divide that up into two buckets. First of all, on the competition side, the ACCC has said that these two platforms, Google and Facebook, have substantial market power. Now, that is a really important finding because it is the precursor to taking legal action to enforce the competition laws against them when they abuse that power. The ACCC has said it has already a number of investigations on foot for abuses of dominance, and it is following in that respect Europe, Brussels particularly, to clamp down on these platforms where they damage competition. But that's a long-term project, right? These investigations take years, decisions are then appealed, uh, and in the meantime, competition competitors and consumers may be worse off. So the ACCC has said we're going to ramp up our capacity to do that. We want a specialist digital platforms branch to make sure we've got the skills, we can build the data, Uh, and we can proactively investigate and and take proceedings. Look, we have to understand also that the ACCC is saying in the meantime, there needs to be some regulation, particularly around the data piece. We need to make sure that consumers are well-informed, they make real choices when it comes to the collection, use and sharing of their data. And and I think that that is going to bite, but it's not just going to bite the platforms, it's going to bite across the economy 
any business using personal data is going to feel this. In terms of cases, there's four or five cases I think the ACCC's launched since or during its inquiry. They are around what and what sort of implications does that have for industry, do you think? Okay, so they're nicely split between Google and Facebook. One is a potential proceeding for what I call abuse of dominance. We call it misuse of market power here against Google relating to its treatment of an app developer. The others four are investigations of potential breaches of the consumer law um, and they're all around data practices. So are the privacy policies and the way in which these platforms are using data, in fact, unfair to consumers. And that is a really critical theme in this whole inquiry. Um, The ACCC is very hot in shoring up consumer trust in the way in which their data is collected and used as a way of ensuring that competition works in markets. And so that's the the blurring, I think, you talk about between uh, in competition law between data and privacy, and that's where your world starts to overlap. Yeah. What, what is the sense there? What is the competition issues around data then? Yeah. Look, it's a good point. Um, there is a very strong intersection there. The theory or the thinking is that you know, so much of the economy now is driven by data on the consumer-facing side, by personal data. It's the source of data-driven innovation. Uh, It's what businesses are formulating their strategies around and how they are competing. But we need consumers to continue handing over that data. You know, if that's the fuel that's um, driving the economy, we have to ensure that the pipeline stays open. And the research is telling us that consumers are becoming increasingly distrustful and wary about how their their data is being collected and used, and they are starting to take sort of rearguard action against that. So if we see the pipeline drying up, uh, then we're going to have, you know, um, difficulties in continuing to innovate based on data. And so the economic rationale for data protection is essentially about competition. We need to give consumers the trust by properly protecting their privacy, give them back some of the control over their data, ensure that pipeline stays open and firms can continue to get the data to innovate. Well, there's two there's two interesting threads there, Karan. One is that you say that consumers are concerned about um, their data protection and their privacy or, or what happens to their data. Most in industry would argue that that's not the case, that there's this utility trade-off, public utility trade-off, where they go, I'm, I'm okay because I want to get in and do something and I'll give it away and don't think twice. So uh, that's the hard counter-argument from industry on the privacy stuff uh, and, and data usage. The second point, too, to go to is around this argument, particularly out of the US, where innovation has actually been stifled by the big tech companies yeah. because they, they are actually t- hogging the data and, and not allowing uh, new startups to really uh, flourish. Two big threads there, but give me your thoughts. Yeah, so to go to the first point, what you're referring to there is what we call in academia the privacy paradox. The fact that consumers you know, go online uh, and literally give away oodles of their data um, every moment uh, is often pointed to, particularly by some economists, as suggesting that they don't care about their privacy. But it's a paradox because they do care, they just don't act in that way. And they don't act in that way because they don't feel they have a choice. They're fairly resigned 
to the fact, uh, you know, that they have to open up their personal world in order to get the products and services that they want. Um, and, and government is saying they they should have a choice. On the second point you raise, regulation and whether or not that can stifle competition, that's a perennial concern when government intervenes in markets to regulate, that it's going to basically quash, you know, the, the competitive spirit um, and create an uneven playing field because the big guys are always going to be able to absorb the cost of regulation more than the smaller ones. I think government's going to listen to industry on that. Um, you know, we have to be very wary of unintended adverse consequences here. We don't want to come down too hard and throw the balance out of whack. Um, so I think government's going to be receptive to those concerns and it might find a way um, of ensuring that there are some carve-outs or exemptions in terms of how this privacy reform is going to work. Well, equally, though, on that uh, innovation and competition front around data, there is that argument that says that even the big tech platforms are stifling innovation because they are hogging the data themselves, which That's is right. the reason why we need some intervention, some regulatory intervention to try and open that up. Is that the intent of the ACCC? Is that where they're headed? Yeah, so I think it was interesting. This uh, The ACCC, as I said, started out with the finding that these platforms have significant market power and then it pointed to the risks to competition being that um, having such power, they have both the ability and the incentive to protect their positions um, and that might see them pricing or dealing with quality in a way that is not actually in the best interests of consumers. It's just all about keeping out competitors. The HFC didn't make a big deal of innovation, no. which I think is perhaps a gap in the report. Um, these platforms do spend multiple billion dollars on R&D every year and they roll out products and services at an unfathomable pace. So it's, you might point to that and say, well, look, you know, we've got all the innovation we could possibly hope for just from two firms. But the point is we don't know what we're missing. So if they are basically controlling what kind of innovation we get and the pace at which we get innovation, we don't know, you know, what else there might be out there. And I think that is a real concern. Is that great example? I don't know whether you uh, agree with it or not. That uh, the Microsoft antitrust case back in the late nineties, um, whilst the Department of Justice, I think, was in doing the investigation, didn't win the case per se. It did force Microsoft to open up to developers, and in fact, the argument goes that had that not happened and Microsoft been forced to open up, we wouldn't have seen Google. Now the argument is that Google and Facebook are doing the same thing uh, that was done to them, or they were, they were the benefits of uh, yeah. beneficiaries of. Uh, is that a is that a is that a reasonable argument in the competition world? Uh, look, certainly that argument has got a lot of merit. Google has built this ecosystem where it controls mobile operating systems on Android, general search. Uh, it controls much of the app development world. So that control means that it gets to set the terms and conditions um, of innovation. It's what and, someone, I think, called a cascading monopoly. Does that sound right? That's right. Or, or the ecosystem idea that's got a finger in virtually every pie around these um, digital uh, markets or portals. And it's the gatekeeper. So it determines who participates and on what basis. 
Um, and, you know, the European Commission has said, well, that's not good for innovation. It's not good for consumers in the long run. Uh, it's found abuse of dominance in relation to uh, the way in which Google um, structures its search results. It's found abuse of dominance in the way in which it handles access to the Android operating system and in relation to its AdSense technology. Uh, you know, we'll We've looked at more than $9 billion US dollars so far in fines and mounting. Right, and that's the European view. We were talking earlier about the Amer- the change that's going on in the American mindset mm. towards uh, the antitrust cases mm. on big tech. They're getting more proactive or more interested at least. Give us a, 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 a sum up there, which then will, should lead us into what we should then expect from the ACCC. What the digital platforms here, should they be worried? Uh, US antitrust has always been, well, for at least the last 30 years, been much more conservative than Europe. So the U.S. enforcement agencies have been very hands-off. But the whole debate in the U.S. has now become highly politicised. We've seen high-profile politicians on both the left and the right of the party aisle voicing concerns that are both competition-related, privacy-related. Trump thinks that even his favourite platform, Twitter, um, is biased against him. So the debate has become political um, and antitrust authorities can't be untouched by that. They've started themselves to form task forces and, and look into the big four. But unfortunately, from my point of view, much of that debate is being sort of captured by a slogan of break them up, as that's seen as the solution, at least on the part of some Democrat presidential candidates in the US. You you don't sound like you're buying it, Karan. I'll tell you why. First of all, the basis for it seems to be that they're just so big. Well, being big is not necessarily bad from a competition point of view. If you're big because you do the right thing by consumers and you produce the products and services that they love, well, then you should reap the real rewards um, of your success. So being big is not good enough. Also, in these markets, um, you may cut the head off once, but, you know, it's going to grow somewhere else because of the economies of scale, because of the network effects that operate in these markets. So, you you know, breakup is a Band-Aid. And in fact, it might do damage rather than benefit consumers because, um, you know, certainly it's not going to fix the privacy problem. Um, and it may not fix the competition problem in the long run. Well, so, the ACCC shied away from that entirely, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, look, they fulsomely rejected that, and I was not surprised by that at all. We don't have a history of breakup here. I mean, one of my colleagues at the law school, Alan Fells, former ACCC chairman, you know, favours at least having the remedy on hand, right. um, but it's pretty much a lone voice. A soft know. breakup? They talk about a soft breakup in, in the context I've heard it, it's around open up data so that people people can actually move um, their, their, their choice of yeah. who gets their data yeah. starts to um, yeah. open up competition. Yeah, I haven't heard that called a soft breakup before, but data portability right. is a huge uh, theme and movement around the world. And in fact, Australia has been leading in that regard with the introduction of our consumer data right, which was recommended by the Productivity Commission. And the government moved on that incredibly quickly. Um, and you can't say politics wasn't part of that movement because, of course, they said first we're going to do it to the banks, right? Then we're going to do it to energy. So tick tick, tick on the right. on the political um, priority list. And next comes telecoms. And that data portability means what, though, for the punter? It means that consumers can get access to their uh, data, say, you know, the data that their bank holds on on them or the data that their energy company holds on them, uh, and can then 
port, as it's called, transfer that data to another potential provider to see if they can get a better offer. And at the same time, their existing provider is likely to be incentivized to offer them a, a better deal to keep them on. So it's very much a competition reform. In this inquiry, the ACCC said they didn't think data portability was going to be a big deal for the digital platform. They didn't think it would really work. And I think there's something in that. I mean, let's take Facebook as an example. If there was to be another Facebook, a competitor to Facebook, would you be all that interested in porting your personal Facebook profile to another provider if you couldn't get your friends and your family and your school and your community groups to follow you? So the network effects, uh, which is the idea that a user wants to be on a platform where there are um, all of the other users, tends to work against the idea of data portability in the context of the digital platform. So let's go to a total hypothetical then. How could the market change as a result of the ACCC's recommendations and the government taking them on? What happens to the market in relation to Google and Facebook, media companies, and of course, the consumer and the data side as well? Yeah. Uh, look, I don't think a lot right. is going to change. I mean, I think the horse has already bolted. Media's been well and truly digitally disrupted. And that was because of the internet. You know, the platforms came after. Now they have shaped that disruption. But as I said, I think the cat's out of the bag. Media has had to and will have to continue to adapt to this new digital landscape. They'll have to find ways to build their customer bases and their customer loyalty, um, you know, that are not as ad-based in terms of revenue as they used to be. There are already some real success stories in that regard in other parts of the world. The New York Times mm. is one um, that has built its digital subscription base um, now such that it almost um, dwarfs its its reliance on ad revenue. You know, media's been disrupted. That's a good thing, frankly. Before we wrap up, it is true, though, that regulators have been found lagging. They've been a bit behind yeah. the game, right? So when you say there's nothing that can be done now, the horse has bolted, is that because in part... Uh, regulators, like everyone else, were, were enamoured with uh, yeah. with what was going on out of technology. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, there was a sense that, you know, these platforms were providing products, services, convenience, connectivity um, in a way that was going to be the benefit of us all. Um, but, you know, these markets have tipped. And, yep, government has been... Relatively speaking, you know, we're only talking about events over the last five to ten years. Yes. Uh, relatively speaking, slow to catch on. But, you know, in some parts of the world, and I'm glad to say Australia is one of them, government's catching up. And what the ACCC is saying is we need to future-proof our capacity. So we need to be in a position that we don't get caught asleep at the wheel. We can keep up with techn technological and industry developments. Um, and, uh, you know, we can hold these guys to account. In wrapping up, so whether it be competition law, whether it be privacy, whether it be data, what advice or what thoughts would you give to the industry side of the of, of this, this conversation and debate about where and what they should be either worried about, thinking about, focusing on? Yeah. What, do you, what would you say to industry? And that would be whether it be media owners, whether it be agencies, whether it be tech companies um, or marketers. I think from the media ad and marketing industry point of view, they need to look very closely at what's proposed here in terms of privacy reform and data protection. Um, and 
I think they need to have their voices heard in Canberra about whether or not, in fact, the pendulum might swing too far because, you know, we value privacy from a social point of view, but if what's being thought here is about the economic implications, uh, we need to get the balance right that we... uh, Yes, we shore up consumer trust in the way in which the data is um, collected and handled, but we don't close down the pipeline completely. And that's the risk you think that it, where it could go? Oh, look, I, th- I, I think it's a very tricky balance to strike and I would prefer to see the government tread you know, cautiously in that regard because if the end game is about more competition, more innovation to the benefit of the economy as a whole and consumers as a whole... Uh, we need to be wary about. Do you think GDPR is striking the balance or gone too far? What's your sense? I think it's a bit too early to say, uh, Paul. And um, look, I don't discount the reports that the platforms have absorbed that regulation. I also don't discount the reports that when there is regulatory reform on the agenda... The platforms are incredibly effective in persuading the regulation drafters and the policy makers, you know, the devil is in the detail, to do so in a way that that favours them. And they are now already GDPR geared up and proofed. So, um, you know, relative to Australian industry, they're going to take this on much more easily. Than others. Finally, do you think in the next 12 months, what is what is the conversations, what are you hearing uh, around the traps about where that's at from an industry at government regulatory perspective? Look, all, all the stakeholders are in there um, and trying to get the ear of government and rightly so, you know, um, there's a battleground. Are you talking to government? Here, yeah. So um, they are hearing both from the tech platforms um, and uh, from media and ad industry on this. I think what we need to understand, though, the dynamic here is that the ACCC is a highly respected agency. Its views carry a lot of weight in Canberra. Um, And, you know, we saw how the government moved on the consumer data right fast and effectively. I think we can see it move fast on some of these reforms, the easier ones to do, like the changes to the merger laws and to the unfair trading laws. I think on the regulatory reform, uh, the review of media regulation to even the playing field and the review of privacy regulation, I think or I hope it will move more slowly and in a considered way to make sure we we do get all the interests balanced out in the way I've referred. Well, great conversation. We will be back to sort of get a sense on what's happened since, but thanks for joining. Excellent. Good to be with you. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's moi in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.